What's up, everybody? Ryan, ATX Metal Podcast, back again with another episode. And in this episode, I sit down and talk to owner William Metzger of the record label out of Dallas, Affiant Records. I really enjoyed talking to him and just learning you know, the, the business side and the lawyer side of stuff. And he just dropped so much knowledge on me. And if you continue to listen, just please, if you're in a band, listen to what this guy has to say. It is just some of the things that I've talked about with friends at bars and inside conversations and stuff that I've even personally thought about, you know, from the podcast side and protecting the things that I've created and the things that I do and that I say. And it, it was just really, really cool episode. And I learned a lot. And I thank William for his time and also his lovely wife, Kate. Kate, thank you for the affiant records shirt and the audience of rain shirt they fit amazing <laughs> so i just want to give you guys a quick shout out so again if you're in a band this episode is for you so stick around i think you're gonna have a lot to walk away with and as always thank you very much come and take it productions come and take it live texas metal united titan audio productions and bumperactive.com if you need some merch, if you're in a band and you got to get a quick run or you want to add to your collection, hit up bumperactive.com. Let them know that the podcast sent you. You can also go visit their brick and mortar store down off Burnett Road. And speaking of things that are downtown-ish, come and take it live. Thank you very much. If you're looking for a show to go to, go to comeandtakeitlive.com, hit the menu button, check out the calendar and if you see a show that's coming up and there's a local on the bill, please, 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 by all means, buy your tickets from the locals. That money goes directly back into their pockets. The more tickets that they sell, the bigger and bigger shows that they can get on. So please support your local music, support your local podcast. ATXMP.com is the website at ATXMP everywhere. You can find me and you're talking directly to me. So speaking of talking to people, let's get to the episode. Here is Affiant Records, William Metzger. again with another episode of the ATX Metal Podcast. And today we have the founder of Affiant Records, William Metzger. Thanks for joining me. Um, oh, thanks for having me. You're in Dallas, correct? That's correct. Yes. Actually, just a little bit north in Collin County, if you know where that's oh, at. Yep. Yep. Just a little bit, little bit up 35, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Or 75. 75. Yeah. There's a whole, there's a whole yeah. bunch of highways up there. Cause, uh, DFW, oh, yeah. DFW is, uh, <laughs> a lot bigger than Austin. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it, it's insane around here. So the way that we have come to arrive at this interview is he represents or has audience of rain on, on your label. Correct. Correct. And I recently did an interview with them. They are from my hometown of Akron, Ohio. So that that really piqued my interest. And talking to those guys about the metal scene up there again, when I was up there, I was like between five and 15. So I really didn't mm -hmm. I didn't even know what metal was. I, you know, to me, it was my my aunt throwing ZZ Top in the tape deck on her, you know, 
Z28 Camaro T-top going, we're going to have some fun, you know. <laughs> but, nice. But uh, I was really, ha- I've like, I've looked over uh, the website to look at your, your roster. You got a pretty healthy roster. It seems to be this kind of uh, rock, alt rock, metal core. Like there's a whole lot going on in there. Um, so just tell mm-hmm. me a little bit, little bit about yourself, how you got into the music industry, and then we'll, we'll just kind of go from there. Sure. Well, I was raised in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania, so I don't know if you know where the office would have supposedly been taped, which is Scranton. So right around that area. Um, Good scene, good music scene. They still have a good music scene. Some bands that came out of there, I mean, Breaking Benjamin, uh, Motionless and White as well. So born and raised there, uh, started playing guitar when I was 15. All I wanted to do was be the greatest guitar player in the world at the time. So (laughs) at 18... Uh, when I was graduating high school, I joined the Marine Corps and I auditioned and I actually got the spot to be the guitar player in the Marine Corps. Me too. So, um, Semper Fi, brother. Oh, awesome. Hoorah. Yeah, I was, so cool, man. I was a tank mechanic from 01 to 06. And, oh, here. Oh, oh, no, there it is. There it is. Hey, there's, there's mine too. We're yep. showing each other our <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> Perfect. That's all. We served at the same time too. I, man, I can't even, I totally, I, man, I just glazed over that this is a veteran owned label. So um, yeah, it, it's always, when people say veteran owned, <laughs> you know, there's always that caveat of what branch of military you know this that and the other Mm -hmm. so uh wow okay wow man all right sorry sorry to interrupt keep going no problem yeah so uh three days after after high school i was on the the footsteps in paris island you know about that and then so they eventually after all my schooling and everything sent me out to san diego so i was stationed at miramar Absolutely fell in love with California, you know, the day I got out there, of course. And uh, so we were doing doing the thing in the band, playing around, touring. Of course, then, you know, Iraq came up. So we got to go over right as the buildup was happening. I was there for when the invasion started and then we left shortly thereafter. And so about a year after that, I got out of the Marines, wanted to stay in California, wanted to be a musician, wanted to do the thing. So I went to Musicians Institute in Hollywood, California. So I moved up there. And that is where I fell in love with two, two things in, in the music world. That would be one, understanding what a working musician actually is. And two, being the business side of music. So more of what I do now, exactly. But, you know, a working musician being like a studio guitarist, a guy who plays maybe in a pit orchestra for like a Broadway play. Yeah, they teach you a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, heavy on music reading and sight singing and sight reading and things like that. So right up my alley, had a blast, loved it. Um, after that, I moved back to San Diego. I was teaching guitar, trying to do the music thing, you know, get gigs and do all that. And then uh, I had met Kate and we got married and we both wanted to finish our degrees since we had kind of so many credits from all over the place. <laughs> and <laughs> like, so that's how we, we wound up. <laughs> we need to do yeah. something with all these credits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's when we started looking into colleges and found uh, the University of North Texas. And so they had a good accounting program for her. And of course, their music program is world renowned. So that's how we moved here and got into the Dallas area. Um, After that, you know, I finished up with that. And as I was finishing, to be honest, I got quite burnt out on music. It's a very competitive school. There's, you know, every day there's either a jury or some audition you have to do. And there's competition all over the place. And so, you know, from doing it from so many years, I was just like, all right, I, I need to maybe find something else. So 
I thought back to my days at Musicians Institute and realized like, oh, yeah, the business side of it. I, I do love that, you know. So I said, oh, well, I'll just go get an MBA and maybe hopefully, you know, can work at a record label or do something in the industry. And funny enough, Kate was taking a course for her accounting program, which was business law. And she came home one day and said, I don't think you want an MBA. I think you want to be a lawyer. And I thought, mm, OK. OK. <laughs> so I looked into it. Yeah. Realized uh, I was much better at reading and English comprehension than I am at math. So that was kind of a good thing. Um, <laughs> and then I, I realized like all the, the industry had a ton of lawyers in it. The Clive Davises, people who ran the labels, especially back in the day, they all started as lawyers. So um, I applied to a bunch of law schools and I got into Southern Methodist University up here in Dallas. And so I went there for law school. I uh, got out of there and then I opened my own firm representing artists, labels, producers, managers, entrepreneurs, video game designers, you name it, um, doing all kinds of deals and pretty much anything you could find in the transactional side of the music industry and business world. And then, of course, COVID came and with you know everything being shut down as far as touring and everything like that. Um, I had, I had always wanted to, you know, start a record label or be at a record label. So in 2021, I opened up my Affiant Records and, you know, the rest is kind of history. We've just been growing since then and chugging along and keep going. And it's exciting. It's fun. It's challenging for sure. It's definitely the world of the entrepreneur, you know, three bad days and then one great day and then another okay day and then another bad day and then another great day. And, so, you know, you just got to keep it going and growing, but that's, that's how I got here. Man, that, that's, that's impressive. Uh, just from me sitting on, you know, this side of the world, you know, talking to all these bands, I have a ton of friends that are musicians and artists. Most of them are, you know, the nine to five guys and hustle on the side there are this other handful that are, you know, full time. This is what we do. And then there's also, you know, the session artists that, that, you know, play South by and all other kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but man, that's, that's, so you started this in 21. Like how, mm -hmm. what was, what was going through your mind um, as you were going through the, going through the lockdown and the pandemic, you're like, well, let's start a label. Like, <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, I, I barely wanted to start yeah. another job. I was like, you're starting a record label. Like, okay. You know, like I said, I had always wanted to, to work on the label side or do something with a record label or primarily own a record label, even through law school. And I just thought, you know, now's the time now that I have some time, um, before things, you know, pick up and get busy again. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a great distribution system through in-grooves at the time. And so I was able to, you know, start off by having some great worldwide distribution, which uh, was a good thing. And then we moved on to, and we're now currently distributed through Fuga out of Amsterdam. So they're the same people who distribute um, Epitaph Records, Better Noise Music, uh, a bunch of those. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's it was just something that I always wanted to do. And I thought, well, now's the time. And there's never going to be a perfect time. So you just got to dive in headfirst and go for it. You know, uh, I don't know if this this will be your, like, topic of expansive knowledge. But when I hear distribution, I think of DistroKid. I mean, that's the one that I hear the most. I don't know if it, because the mm -hmm. way that I see it is like, 
you kind of do what your friends do. Like if, if they're with this distribution company, then, you know, it's probably good enough for me. Um, can, can you, ex- can you expand on how distribution works? Sure. From, sure. from a, from, so, from a label standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. So like you have a distro kid, uh, tune core ditto. There's a couple other out there. And those are ones that pretty much anyone can use. You just sign up and you can, you know, put your music on it. Um, from the label standpoints, if you look at like InGrooves, Universal Music, Fuga, uh, The Orchard, which is owned by Sony, those are kind of invite only. You need to know someone or, you know, have something oh. going on that they would, you know, want you to be a part of. So once you kind of get on one of those, they have obviously the worldwide distribution of being able to put all your music on Spotify. Uh, iTunes, YouTube, and tons of other ones that we don't even have in this country. You'll never hear of uh, Boom Play, which is like out of South Africa, I believe, uh, and Jahami. Uh, so, you know, the more expansive, the better distribution system you have, the more people in the world who are going to hear your music. Right. Also, when you when you use one of these, I'll call them invite only distributors, you get typically a marketing team that comes with it who helps you to get on the curated playlists. Um, And just every company just has different little things that they could do. Technology they can use. Some have patented technology to follow where your streams are coming from and how to help you out, you know, to plan as far as artists are concerned and, and how you can launch better or see where your your crowd is coming from your fan base so you can kind of dig in on those uh, particular areas or regions in the world so yeah that's pretty much how distribution works from the label side the more you know (laughs) so i gotta ask 21 you got the uh you got the label started i guess Mm -hmm. two questions how do you start a record label uh from scratch and b who was your first signed artist? And I guess three questions. And how did you convince them to go with you? So the first question of how do you start a record label? Uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of long days. <laughs> Just, yeah, um, it's not a Google Doc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tons and tons of, of learning things you didn't know you needed to know. Uh, obviously, it was you know a little easier from the legal side, setting up my business and everything like that. Um, drafting contracts, negotiating any contracts with distributors and things that I needed to do. I was luckily able to handle myself. But then you had to learn about the other side, which is marketing and getting the music out there. And I mean, to this day, I'm still sitting and I'm learning uh, graphic design things, After Effects, so I can make little videos to make posts of things because social media is just so important with this. And it's just, you know... Distribution is fracturing and is already fractured into so many different components. I mean, there's there's YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and then we were sitting around what two weeks ago, and suddenly they announced this thing called Threads. Oh, now you got to yes. get on that and, and, and you know worry about that. So yeah, it's just keeping up with a ton of that kind of thing, um, keeping up with what's going on in the industry what's going on on radio, you know, what's hot, what sounds good, bands out there trying to find bands. Um, So as far as who our first signing was, we started out just doing a distribution agreement with a friend of mine who actually went to UNT with me, Tony Campanovo. Um, He's a just solo guitar player. And so uh, he came on and we put his stuff out and, you know, it went pretty good and uh, just kind of grew up from there and added more and more bands and got 
you know, better and better bands as we go along and just, you know, growing. So. So it started with a friend. Mm-hmm. Well, it did. That's cool. Was he like, man, I don't, I don't know, William. I don't know about this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. You just same thing with, you know, when you're trying to get your first client as a lawyer, you know, they're, well, why should I use you? You didn't have any experience, blah, blah, blah. You hear it all. <laughs> and finally, someone trusts you enough to do it. Um, yeah, just like how do you get your first person on your first podcast, you know, oh, and I, uh, eventually the, the answer to that one is you bribe them with steak dinners and, uh, croissants. That's, nice. That's how, yep. we, that's how we did it. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, you just got to kind of keep going at it till someone says yes. And then the next person says yes. And kind of snowballs from there. Yeah, it is. It you know, this is my eighth year going into my ninth uh, here at the end of the year in this thing, and I do this for fun. It's a hobby, you know. It's better than drugs. So <laughs> it's uh, uh, but no, I you know, I really enjoyed. You know, I kind of go back in the catalog every now and again and listen to some of the first episodes, and as cringy as they are, they're just some of the just coolest memories. Uh, like my former co-host eating a dog biscuit and, you know, inviting random people over at midnight. I mean, it's just, you know, and now, you know, I feel like I've graduated to a more professional, you know, setting and, and, you know, speaking to, you know, I didn't ever think I'd be speaking to people that ran record labels or lawyers or anything, but it's always been in the back of my head. So, um, if I haven't said it already, you know, thanks for, thanks for, uh, allocating some time, uh, today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So was, I didn't even know that the university of North Texas had like a, what'd you call it? A world acclaimed music department. Like what's so special about yeah. it? it? It actually was the first, I believe it was the first jazz degree, jazz studies degree you could get. They oh. started in like 1948. So, I mean, it's for jazz. It, I would say it's definitely the number one music school out there. Uh, a lot of greats, you know, have graduated from there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's hardcore, the best of the best kind of attend and you kind of compete with each other and iron sharpens iron. So everybody comes out being killer players. Oh, wow. I mean, I've met plenty of Berkeley grads, but I just, yeah. I, I just never, never was in the know about, you know, where people go to music school. Cause nope. that's, you know, it's not my thing, but <laughs> Once you got rolling in 21 with your friend and you got distro out and you started adding more and more, did you, did you see like a niche, I guess, genre that you gravitated towards? Like, Hey, this, this is what I like and I'm going to focus on that. Or was it more, this is more, I don't know, not palatable, but there's just more there, there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Coming up, I mean, I, I could go back to my history of when I was teaching guitar. Um, and I was in San Diego and the student came in and handed me. I was I was a jazz snob at the time, just to be honest with you. I, I came up on progressive rock and metal. So everything was technical and, you know, you should be studying scales and music theory and everything like that. And, <laughs> and this one student came in and handed me uh, the all time low CD, one of the first ones. All right. And I was like, okay. So I kind of put it in the car and then I had another student hand me the We The Kings CD, their first album. 
I was like, all right. So I started listening to them and driving around San Diego. And I was like, this is pretty cool. So it kind of became like my guilty pleasure. You know, I wasn't going to admit that I listened to pop punk and things like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then finally a kid came in with the Seosin CD translating the name, this emo kid came in. And so I put that on and I don't know, but it was just one of those life changing moments where I was like, wow, I've never heard anything that sounded like this before. It just, it caught me. And down the rabbit hole I went of, you know, kind of into the emo, pop punk, metalcore you know, genres. So uh, fast forward being a lawyer, I tend to represent a lot of what I call the Warped Tour scene bands. Ah. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of what I modeled the label after. Um, I'm, you know, I go for, I like the pop punk. We have a lot of pop punk on our label, um, but also active rock, hard rock, metal those kind of genres, but it is mostly for the most part, a rock label. So how many, how many artists, uh, do you, do you represent? And I guess, what are the, what are the future goals for the, for the label? Short, short, term, so we'll as, short term goals. Yes. So artists, uh, as far as being a lawyer, you saying, or as far as like artists on the label, on your label, how many, I, I, oh, okay. I had it pulled up, but I'm not even going to mess with the screen right now. Uh, that's all right. So we have Audience of Rain, as you know, um, and that was a wonderful interview. Thank you for having them on. Oh, man, it was I listened to it. so much fun. So much fun. Just getting to getting to know the guys and, you know, how they like it didn't really click until I asked it, like right towards the end, like why the name Audience of Rain? And I kind of mm-hmm. had it backwards where they were the audience to the rain, but it was actually the rain was the audience to them because they were playing out of their garage, which I think is really cool because, you know, the way uh, I think, I think the vocalist is uh, Cody, Coley, Cody, Cody. Yeah. He, he, he said, you know, we're just out there in the garage, hanging out, jamming and, you know, raised up the garage and, you know, it's just, it kind of, you like, you can, you can close your eyes and you can see that moment, mm-hmm. you know, that Steve Jobs exactly. moment, you know, hanging out in the garage, building what you think is, is, you know, just, you know, it like, man, this is it right here. Like, let's, let's do this, you know, just pursuing your passions and, and, and whatnot. But, but I'm sorry, go ahead with the, with the roster. Uh, so we also have Waterfront. Uh, they're a band out of Canada. That had just signed to us a couple of months ago, and they just dropped a uh, their new single, I Want to Run, last Friday, as a matter of fact. Um, so they're a hard rock band, um, kind of in the Nickelback, Seether genre, if you will. Uh, we have Honey Socks out of Wales as a pop punk band. Uh-huh. And we also have Save Our Ships, which is also out of Wales as another pop punk band. Uh, we have Envied by Angels. They're from California. And then we also have Nearly Spent out of Florida. Man, you're you're international worldwide. Holy cow. That's that's right. Yep. How do you how do you land a how do you land an international band? Let's see. How do we land Save Our Ships? Um, I think they reached out to us. Yeah, there's a podcast called uh, Blood, Sweat, and Beers, which is over in London. They cover a ton of pop punk things. So um, you know, I think they had heard of us or we heard of them on there. And then I kind of reached out after they, they sent me, uh, a demo. And so I reached out to them and they signed with us. And then, you know, we put them on the blood, sweat and beers podcast. And then, uh, honey talks reached out to us again and we signed them as well. And then, uh, 
a manager that I know from Rochester, New York. Uh, he actually manages Waterfront. So he, you know, he came and said, hey, check out this band of mine. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. Some great music. So started having chats with them. And the next thing you know, here we are. Man, man. Well, I'm glad to see that, you know, the roster is healthy and, and steadily growing for being such such a young label. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've heard of the my sponsor is come and take it productions and come and take it live and for the life of me i don't know why there isn't a come and take it records like it just it just has that texas like uh, mm-hmm. come and take it records like you know what that's going to be some heavy stuff right <laughs> yep yep exactly but um i have a yeah. i have a question from one of my uh from one of my podcast brethren um cool. he says he says what do you guys look for or what do you look for in artists and what are some tips for some up and coming bands? It's oh, a great question. What I look for, first of all, is the songs. You, know, you have to have, I mean, everybody says it, but it is the truth. You, know, you have to have, you have to have great bones to work with uh, good structures. And so it's really about the songs. A lot of other things can be improved. You know, the production, we can get you to a better producer pictures. We could find you a better photographer, things like that. Um, so for me, it starts with the songs, me being a musician, especially, you know, it, it has to, it has to move me in a way. Um, and then the other thing I actually look for a lot coming from my music background is how good are you live? How good is your live show? Can yes. you actually sing those songs? You know, can you play those songs? Can you play those guitar riffs that you may have done 103 takes in a studio on to finally get down? Um, and then how do you, you know, speaking of live, how do you, uh, react and act with, with the audience? You know, what are they feeling from you? Are they, are they seeing what maybe I'm seeing if I like the songs as well? Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the baseline things I see. And then obviously it comes down to when we start having discussions and talking, are we a good fit? You know, do we just like each other? Do we get along? basic personality kind of kind of things. And then um, how hard are you going to work? Because the one thing I will say is that, and this is great advice, I think, for uh, up and coming artists in 2023, it's harder than ever to be a musician simply because you have to do so much. I mean, if you look at back in like the 90s, you know, if you were trying to become a star, if you got discovered by a record label, they signed you, they, you know, made a million CDs of yours. They took some press photos. They put the CD out. It sold a million copies. You went on tour, boom, you're a star. And that was it. They were, they were the gatekeepers. You know, you only had what you found in your record store, what they were carrying and what the billboard charts were saying. Now, 2023, like I said, with all the social medias and just, you know, the diffusion of, of, distribution where everything is going there's so much you have to do you have to be posting you have to be you know inviting people to like your pages you have to have all the pictures all the content youtube youtube shorts tiktok it's just you know (laughs) it is it's insanity and you're trying to build a fan base and you know without now that the gatekeepers are kind of been eliminated it's just a low barrier to entry. So everybody, whether they deserve to be in the scene or not, you know, if they're a great band or, or they're horrible, it's all a level playing field. So you're competing with everyone for everyone's time and attention. So trying to break through that clutter in 2023 is very hard to do. Um, 
So it's just basically about, you know, working hard, working smart, doing the right things, uh, you know, posting content all the time, being seen, you know, great pictures, great production, getting along with people, you know, responding to comments, um, you know, from fans and everything on YouTube right. comments that, you know, trying to, you can't be like, uh, you can't be an ass basically today. Like you could be back in the seventies or whatever. You can't trash hotel rooms without everybody knowing about it and you getting in trouble for it. Oh man. You, you, just, you can't, you can't be a jerk to, you know, people who are, you know, working behind the scenes at the venue because that'll get around. And, you know, just those kind of things, you kind of have to have a lot of etiquette in a sense, a, a lot of being able to politic, you know, and, and shake hands and, you know, get along with a lot of people because you're quickly found out today. And the next thing you know, nobody wants to work with you. So I think that's another bit of good advice to, uh, for up and coming artists too. And then, you know, the other thing that I always look for, especially with my label, um, and I'll kind of go into affiant is actually a legal term. Um, oh. it means the, uh, yeah. So it's one who makes an affidavit and swears to the truth of the statement. So I had to, you know, I had to work some kind of legal term into the name, of course. So, yeah. So you're, you're setting out the truth in a statement. And so my hashtag kind of to the label is the truth in music. So, you know, I want to only bring the best possible music that I can bring to the world. And it has to have a purpose and it has to have a meaning. Um you know, sometimes you'll interview some people and they'll just be like, yeah, I just want to be famous. It's like, okay, that's going to be a hard career to do if you're just <laughs> seeking fame. Your best bet, try to be a pop star and get signed to a major label. Yeah. That's basically your only chance of that. You know, music has to have a purpose to it. It has to have an emotion. It has to have a meaning to it. I always ask the question when I'm in like a first interview with bands, you know, what is your mission statement? Tell me what the band is about, you know? Um, your songs, they need to move people. They need to touch people. Maybe someone's having a really bad day and they put your song on, you know, I mean, you've heard the stories numerous times. It stops someone from committing suicide or even if it's as simple as, you know, Oh, I had a terrible skate session. So I went home and put on some, you know, pop punk and it kind of made me feel better about things. Okay, cool. You know, it, it evokes music evokes an emotion. And I think that's one of the most important things is to, you know, move people in a positive manner in the world. And that's, that's really kind of the, the gist of what I want to do with the label. Man, uh, fully, fully backed from my end, because I, one of the things that I've, that I always say is that kind of like how you say it starts with a song. So <laughs> whenever, like today I listened to this band called Perspective out of New York, if I'm not mistaken, and I found them on a random algorithm or something. I was on a run and then uh, just liked them or whatever. And then today uh, at work, I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw on, throw on something I haven't heard in a long time. So instead of just going like straight to their like discography, I just did a Spotify, uh, you know, perspective radio. And mm -hmm. man, it did not disappoint. And it's nice. just, it's just so cool how you can take a random song from a random band that you've never heard of and just have an amazing time experiencing it um, without even knowing like the lyrics or anything. So I'm more of a song mm -hmm. guy. And then to your point, if I like the song, if I can, you know, if I hear it, Oh, saved, liked, whatever, I'll try to catch them if they come on tour, because if mm -hmm. you can play 
what I heard on on the album, 90%, like I know you're gonna miss a note. You're, you know, it's it's not gonna be exactly double bass or you know what I mean? Like there's gonna yeah. be those micro whoops. But if you can bring yeah. if you can bring it and your live and your stage performance is good and your crowd control is good, because I also judge uh whenever they do regional showcases for like Vakin and other mm-hmm. other uh big stuff that goes on throughout the country just because Texas is right in the middle and Austin is the live capital yep. music of the world and we've got plenty yep. of venues. So it really it really is cool to sit on the the panel side because I know that whatever decision I make, you know, ultimately I'd have a hand in the rest of this band's future in some weird way. Mm-hmm. And I always always go, you know, with my gut and am I, you know, did I take my phone out? Did I mention this to somebody? Did I live tweet? Did I'm sorry, X, I don't know. Is it Xing now? Elon changed the name. I think it's X. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway, another thing. So you have to keep up with, I'll just thread it. I'll yeah, there we go. Yep. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it starts with a song and then it, if it hits live, then you've got, then I, you know, you've just really earned me as a fan. Um, now I'm obviously not going to get to all of your discography instantly, but with today's algorithms and Spotify and Apple music and SoundCloud, I mean, they guide you through this really cool, you know, avenue of here's all the shit you really like. We're going to throw in some stuff that's a little lighter or a little heavier, and then we're going to bring you back real quick. And then we're going to put you in a whole different category. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I fully, fully back the whole, you know, starts with a song and then, and then just the live thing. Uh, do you guys, what, what do you, what do you say to your bands when they mess up in your, in your, I guess, mind? Like, ah, man, we got to have a chat with these guys. Like, how do you approach that? I mean, it depends on what it is. Artist development is another huge thing that I'm, I'm completely all about with the label. And a lot of labels kind of, they've forgotten about that or they don't have the time for it. Because like I said, it's, it's such a, it's such a big, busy market to keep up with. You know, there's so much you have to do, but I, you know, I will sit and I will actually have zoom rehearsals with bands to go over live shows and to, you know, try to help them any way I can little tips like, Hey, you know, after the song ends, up and turn your guitar volume down so nobody hears that blaring feedback you know just little <laughs> things that that if you go to a show of like a true professional like i came up on dream theater i don't know if you're familiar oh, yeah. with, with them or not um yeah so it's i mean total musicianship john petrucci the whole band is just incredible as, as far as musicianship is concerned so you know i study with them a lot uh studied a lot of what they've done coming up and you know so it just depends on what it is. So, you know, if they mess up at a live show, Hey, you know, we'll hop on a zoom call. Let's talk about what happened. Let's see how we can fix it. Let's do some rehearsals for it. Um, you know, if they mess up as far as things on social media, I, I might just shoot them a message quick and be like, Hey, you know, let's maybe take that post down or let's you know rephrase <laughs> some things. Screenshot. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Depending on how they react, you know, it depends on how deep it gets. But now, I mean, I always give everyone a chance, of course. Um, but it's important, like I said, to play politics, you know, in, in the industry so that nothing, nothing bad happens because 
Yeah, there's some things maybe even artists, whether signed or unsigned, kind of don't understand or even get to see that happens downstream. You know, who's kind of who answers to who really in this industry and, you know, things that they might do may affect the downstream uh, outcome. And so, you know, you kind of maybe just have to have to teach them. It's part of the game. You know, just teach us how to how to work in the music industry, you know, just like you would have. I mean, it's probably rare these days, but on the job training, it's kind of the same thing. And, you know, I do kind of pride myself in in training musicians and the bands and trying to make the next generation of rock stars. So, yeah, it's 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 all politics, basically. I will say that <sighs> I can't go anywhere without politics, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Shifting gears. I was curious because I have spoken to lawyers in the music industry just like face to face and just in passing yeah. never really kind of did a deep dive i would with all of the music that's out there and and so much creative content that is produced by literally just one band but is there anything that they can do to protect themselves and i guess like them like their songs the band as a whole like trademarking or registering their their logo i mean what are what are some of those things because i feel like it would cross over to me as well kind of sort of so this might be this oh, might yeah. be a me yeah, question <laughs> hey that you know podcaster it's, it's actually a kind of a growing area of law podcast law basically you know um because you guys can get hit for defamation and, and you know libel slander all those kind of things depending upon what you do but um you know, some of the best things I think musicians can do is when they get real serious about like, you know, here's here's five people in this band and this is this is the group we're we're happy with. We're not trading out players, you know, every two weeks or anything. And we really want to do this. We're really serious about this. Uh, we're we're going to make this a thing. We're going to get this going. One of the best things that you could do is to form a business uh, that way, you know, whether that be a corporation or an LLC, just depending, um, you know, if you talk to an entertainment lawyer, such as myself, we can help you depending upon your situation, determine what is the best step for you. But what that does is that'll provide liability protection so that you're not personally liable. No one can come, you know, um, if, if a speaker at your show that that is your speaker that you own falls off the stage and hits somebody in the head, they're not going to, be in your house in a couple of years because they sued you personally. They're only going to sue what's you know within the, the band business. Uh, so that's one of the first things that I think bands should do. And then the second thing is, and I often incorporate this into for my clients when I'm forming their business is to have what's called a band agreement. So that is a, oh. a document that that lays out the rules of the band and how the band is going to operate the bylaws of the band, if you will. You know, who's going to pay for this? Is everybody going to split uh, profits evenly? Is everyone going to take the losses evenly? How much money from our gigs goes back into buying gear? Are we going to buy a van? What do we do if we do have to kick a member out? Um, what do we do in an unfortunate event a member needs to go to rehab? How many chances do we give? Do we give a certain member for certain things? Uh, you know, just <laughs> how various, many, how yeah, many various, rehabs? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, it happens, unfortunately, and it happens more often than, you know, it, it really should, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, voting rights about how many people will it take? Is it a majority or unanimous vote to spend money on? 
going on this tour, doing a tour buy on items like that. So um, that that's a great thing to do too. That way, everybody knows you know everybody knows the rules of the game and how, how everybody's playing, so you can get along with it. Uh, copywriting and trademark. If you are an independent artist, you can copyright your songs as well. Um, depending if you sign to a label, usually the label will do the copywriting for you. You can trademark a uh, a logo for your band, which is good. Uh, trademarking can be more on the expensive side and um, time consuming and sometimes takes 18 months to actually get one done because you have to do the research and make sure you know nobody has already registered whatever your band logo might be uh, as well as the name making sure no other bands has that name and is already out there and has maybe trademarked it but you know it's a great thing to do as well because then you don't run into issues later on down the line after let's say you do blow up and then some band kind of comes creeping out of the woodwork and says, no, no, that's, that's our band name. We've had that. We've been around since 1989, but we really haven't been together since 91, but still I want to sue you for it. Here's the demo. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we see that a lot too lately. I think in, in music, as far as copyright is concerned, you know, you have a hit song. I mean, like pretty much every two songs Ed Sheeran, you know, comes out with he's getting sued for some <laughs> copyright issue. I heard about um, that. We had the Led Zeppelin case a few years ago. And isn't it I Marvin mean, Gaye's, uh, is it Mar- was it Marvin Gaye's uh, sample? Yeah, yeah that was the, kind of the, the start of it all, I think, really. I think that was back in 2015-ish area, 2016. Um, yeah, that kind of started the whole like onslaught of hey, that guy had a hit. That sounds similar to my song. I'm going to sue. That's really my song. And uh, we, we've kind of seen a lot of these cases come up. Um, typically, the the major artist tends to win. It's a whole process usually tried in California. You have to hire a music expert who sits there and explains to a jury of non-musicians. He points at music notes and says, you know, this, is, this uses the G mixolydian scale. And, you know, so to have a judge that typically isn't a musician himself or herself. And so, you know, it's it's kind of a crapshoot when it comes to that stuff. That's it's kind of like I know I watch a bunch of true crime documentaries. And one of the things is like jury selection. And, you know, mm-hmm. it just kind of reminded me of this one episode that I watched where this guy is in there talking about all these technical things. I mean, just in the weeds he's up there having a great time and the jury mm-hmm. they like pan to the jury and they're just like nodding off just blow, blow. Yep. guilty you know like no i did all this explaining so i could only imagine um <laughs> getting music theory shoved in your face for a copyright yeah, law plus they're probably much. sitting there just like why am i here over music you know like but you know mm-hmm. that's your civic duty yep you know? That's your civic duty. Yeah, I actually, yep, there you go. I actually just, your peers. I was always, uh, I was always curious, like why I never got a jury summons and I actually got one like a couple months ago for some federal district court case here and locally somewhere that's due out in September. So I should be getting another letter here soon for jury selection. Yeah. But yeah, usually it's it's when you vote they catch you. That's how kind of they yeah. say, oh, this, this person's in the area. Let's grab them for a jury. Like, I mean, hey, you know, I I'm a firm supporter of uh registering the vote and having your voice heard. Nope. And you know, with all of the with all of the shenanigans that goes on in politics, you know, at least you can say I did 
this, you know, I cast my ballot. Yeah. If, you know, if, if the guy didn't did win, yeah, but at least you can sit there and complain legitimately versus the, I think 7 million people in Texas didn't vote last, last cycle, which is just yeah. boggles my mind, boggles my mind. Yep. But anyway, we're not getting down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> What's that's a, a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's, we need more lawyers. So maybe I'll call Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But um what's uh what's one of what's one of the things that you look back on and you're like, man, I wish I wish I would have done that differently. Hmm. Whether that's a, that's whether it, whether it be uh your your time in California, uh as a music as a music lawyer, like what's just something you're just like, damn, okay, lesson learned. Uh I would say back when I was trying to be, you know. A, a guitarist, a working guitarist, just getting out there more, uh, networking more. A lot of the social medias weren't around at the time, but um, getting out and playing more, just getting in front of people and meeting people and getting opportunities, auditioning for things more. I wish I would have done a little bit more of, I think that could have led to maybe some better gigs, some better paying gigs. Um, yeah, just an overall more on the music career in general, but you know, it turned out like it did and I'm, I'm happy with the results in the end. So who knows? Yeah, there's a whole, I got a whole checklist. I should have done that differently for this, <laughs> all this, this is podcasting is easy, but it's also hard as hell. Um, it, yes, it, it, is. it takes, it takes, uh, takes a special type of, I guess it's, I mean, it's for any creator, you know, anybody mm -hmm. that wants to create something that's, you know, borrowing from other influences to kind of create this own thing. Yeah, turn, turning creation into a commerce is is definitely a challenge. For I, man, you know, I get all of these email, not all, but, you know, probably two, three a week um, saying, you know, let us let us grow your let us grow your podcast or, you know, I get my the one I hate and I continuously block and flag on Instagram are these gothic jewelry pages that were like, we looked at your page and we think you'd be a good ambassador for oh. Gothic jewelry, Inc. Uh, click mm -hmm. here and then message us. And like the other day I had one and he was like, Hey, I'll get you 10,000 followers for $15. I was like, I'm what? No, I'm good. Thank you. And then he's like, okay, yeah. how about 10 bucks? I'm like, no, the answer is no. Um, exactly. as, as far as growth for your bands, how, I guess, how do you, how do you navigate the waters since, I mean, I mean, there is so much music today. I mean, there's, there's obviously there's more music today than there was yesterday and the week before and the year before. Um, how do you, do you personally manage the bands or do you have like, you know, band managers? We, we do have, um, some bands are managed by managers. I try not to be a manager in the true regard of a manager. I don't have any manage, uh, management contracts with my artists. I don't take a cut of any kind of management deals or anything like that. Um, do I technically wind up, you know, doing a lot of management tasks? Absolutely. Uh, that's just part of, I think, building an artist and kind of getting them, you know, where they need to be and getting them up to, up to par to grow their brand and their band, you know, to become hopefully what is known as, as a global, a global artist. Oh, I got another question here from, uh, another podcast brother it says, 
what do they do for the artists in their roster? Oh, okay. What what do what do you okay? Now I, I'm like I don't know. <laughs> Man, sorry. I've been out in the, I've been out in the heat all day. I've got a really gnarly oh, sunburn. Don't, so don't get me started on the heat around here these days. <sighs> Texas. So anyway, what does yep. what does Affiant Records do for their artists? Anything and everything we can to help an artist grow. Honestly, like I said, um, artist development, whether that just be talking about, you know, what is your brand? What what are we going to look like for this you know, EP release? What, what's the color schemes? What's the artwork? Uh, and the, one of the things I love is getting demos, like first pre-pro demos of songs that, you know, an artist wants to record and kind of going through and, and talking through points with them and saying, well, you know, it's a little long. Let's maybe cut it here, you know, so that more playlists pick it up because people have the seven second attention span. So that, you know, four minute yeah. guitar intro, as much as I love it, I know, you know, most people <laughs> might not. So, uh, yeah, just discussing music in general. Uh, and, you know, honestly, it comes down to part of being, you know, an attorney, you're often called a counselor. And I bring a lot of that into the label as well, because you wind up doing a lot of counseling, whether that just be with the bands or, you know, personal matters. I mean, it's hard to separate, you know, a personal life from a band. I mean, things happen in your personal life. Obviously, that's going to affect the band. It's going to affect, can you make this gig? Can you make this tour? Yeah, how you felt that day in the recording studio. And, you know, sometimes you just need someone to talk to about that. And honestly, that's that's one of the things I'm here for, for my artists. and. I talk every day to them. Um, I know I'm not, you know, I don't want to speak bad of other record labels, but from being a lawyer, I know that there are some that I have clients who said, I haven't heard from my label in a year or two. And I'm like, okay. So in starting, yeah, in starting the label, one of the things that I thought, you know, hopefully we can start correcting in the industry is the communication factor between the artist and the label. So every day, I mean, I was just on, on a call to Wales this, today. Uh, I was on a rehearsal with Audience of Rain last night. I'll be on more calls tomorrow and more emails with bands. So it's it's a daily occurrence. So, so yeah. So basically, you know, we do anything and everything we can to help our artists. We we pitch them for playlisting. We pit, uh, we do PR for them. Uh, anything that I don't ever consider myself a booking agent. Uh, I don't take that role on personally. Uh, it's, it's a whole nother world that I think there are plenty of other people out there who do a great job at it or, but if something comes across my desk that I see is a great opportunity, um, you know, I'll recommend it to, to a band that is either in the area or I think would fit in the genre of whatever the show might be, whoever we have. So, uh, basically I'll, you know, I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes to help these artists out. Well, that's huge, man. I think, you know, especially in today's world, everybody needs a counselor, you know, someone Mm -hmm. that they can go to and someone that's going to be honest with them. Like we used to have this thing called the Google Drive where a bunch of us would get together on Zoom or whatever, and we would just pick the first five or 10 bands that came in through the email and we would pick it just by name alone. We like I wouldn't even click into it until we were like watching it. And man, some of the music that gets greenlit is just it, <laughs> it boggles my mind. Someone yeah. someone somewhere or multiple yeah. people somewhere were like, this is good. But music is subjective. It's not my place to say that your music is good or bad, but I just know what my tastes are. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to get. I heard a quote recently. Um 
of a president of a big country label who was talking to me and he said, it's hard to get to convince 4 million people that what you think is cool is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always of the mindset. I just need 10,000. Like, just give me 10,000 mm-hmm. people that'll listen to this podcast and me run my mouth to, you know, random people that I've never met and let them share the message. I just, just need 10,000 people. That's you, it. you don't need the world. You only need 1%. That's it. And you'd be total superstar. Yeah. Imagine. I was thinking about that. I was going through this thought exercise the other day where if you could get a million people to band together and every day they listen to like one new song, right? Just everybody listens to this song at once. I mean, with with how the with how the payouts go through Spotify and and all the other streaming platforms, how do you how do you get your artists to kind of kind of break through? A lot of that is it being seen and uh, mostly attention. Okay. You know, it's it's building a, a it's building a genuine fan base is what's really going to help. A lot of times artists come along and they're just kind of like a flash in the pan. You know, they, they might have, you know, we've all heard of the one hit wonders. Um, for my artists, I always want careers, long careers for them. So, you know, it, it's not about, Hey, did we just, you know, blow up a million streams on this and then no one's ever heard of you again. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to create music careers basically. Uh, so, you know, as far as, as, getting songs out uh it's it's playlist pitching it's getting them seen on tiktok on facebook getting them out playing shows where where people see them you know that there's a theory out there but you only really need a thousand true fans so it's trying to find those first thousand true fans and then you'll blow up from there it's almost like they'll do the legwork you just keep providing (laughs) solid music and content and they'll just Oh my, I can't count how many times we've all done it. Like, dude, if you heard this, have you seen this, mm-hmm. you know, this, that, and the other. So I definitely, I definitely get that. Um, yeah, create the super fans, you know, get them when they're young and then they stay with you. Gotta get I mean, that's, you know, look, we're having, I mean, gosh, the bands that when I was in high school are still super popular today. I mean, corn is still out there playing everything. Slipknot. Yeah, that was that was music from when I say back in my day, almost, you know, and it it's still huge today, you know. So you have to kind of take a look at that and be like, wow, if you get them, you know, at a certain age, as they get older, they still love you and they'll still come to see your shows, and you'll still have a career. What twenty some years later? Oh man, speaking of twenty years and careers, uh, bleeding through and unearth just came through, and oh yeah, dude, I've been. I'm more of an unearth fan than bleeding through, but I saw bleeding yep. through first at some, I think it was some, some festival in Kentucky back in like the early two thousands. And I remember like the walls of Jericho were there and it was just this rowdy flipping time. And then I got introduced to like the more heavier side of music. Cause I started, I started with breaking Benjamin, saving Abel, mm-hmm. three days, grace, yep. thrice. Like those were, I guess my gateways. And then somebody was like, Oh, here's as blood runs black. Welcome. You know? And then like mm-hmm. all shall perish. And then I started really getting into the weeds. I mean, dude, the, the mid to like the two thousands were just, oh, it was flipping it was a time heyday for, sure. for music. And yep. I mean, just the, but anyway, so they came through and that was the first time that I ever got to see unearth. And as minuscule as it is, like I, 
posted something about under, I think I, I think I did a templated flyer on, on TikTok and shared it. And then they reposted it on their platform. I'm just like, they, they did that for me. No, but you know, I get there and it was one of the only shows that I've legitimately watched. I mean, I pulled out my Mm -hmm. phone and recorded, you know, maybe two or three songs, but I mean, I was up there just go into town singing back to them. And I just, I, I, you know, so to your point of the super fan, like it definitely, you know, we're still here. I mean, I'm still 39 Mm -hmm. years young and still getting out there and supporting and buying vinyls and, and drum heads and stuff like that. Who's, who's, uh, of, of all of the, the big, I don't know if you can say this or not. Uh, but of all the, all the bands out there right now, like, Who's your go-to? Who's what's on the, what's on the, what's on the shuffle? What's okay. Um, well, first of all, I will say one thing about unearth. Nobody does a better breakdown than unearth. <sighs> that, that, that's what hooked me when I first started listening to them. Man. I mean, was it the oncoming storm album? That, that was it. I was, I was totally hooked on it from that point. But um, as far as, you know, bands right now, um, I'm really digging from ashes to new. Oh, um, nice. Okay. I don't know if you've listened to them. Yeah. yeah. They have an album actually coming out tonight. Impending Doom, I will say. They're actually one of my clients, and I know they're playing soon. Yeah. They're, come and take it they're, for the anniversary. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. There's so many yep. threads. So many threads. I'm telling you. You should, you should have them on. They're right in your backyard, too. So. I know. It's like I interview these bands, or I go, I go to a show, and I, you know, see band X, Y, or Z, and get to talking to them and like, Oh, we're from San Marcos. Like how long you guys been a band? Oh, seven years. Well, where have I been? So yeah, dude, exactly. That, that anniversary show is going to be straight bananas. I mean, the, Mm -hmm. the comments like once the fly, once Anthony posted the flyer and it was just like instant, just, it just took off. So I can, that's, that's going to be a rowdy show. 100%. Oh yeah. 100%. One hundred percent. Yeah. But uh, as far as other bands, I mean, I love Memphis Mayfire, you know, things that, that I got caught on back in the day. Of course, Seos and still, you know, and I admit it. I go back and I listen to the classics all the time. You know, oh, yeah. the things we kind of came up on, um, you know, I mean, as far as pop punk, you know, old all time low stuff. Like I said, that was my first introduction. But yeah, I mean, there's so much out there now and I'm always just trying to, you know, when I'm looking for music, I'm always looking on two levels. One is, you know, do I enjoy this? And two, you know, might this be a good fit for the label? So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a different thing when I listen to music now, but, um, but yeah, those are kind of my couple of my go-tos right now that are recently on my Spotify history. Well, cool. Let's go back a little bit farther in time to boot camp. Uh, (laughs) I just, this is like, I got it written down here. It's like Marine circle. Um, what, what was your MOS? What did you do? Yeah, no, I was, I was, I think it was back in the day, 55, 66. They changed the MOS numbers the year before I got out, but, uh, it was actually like guitar player was, was the actual guitarist was the the thing. There's only 12 in the whole Marine Corps. You're telling me that in the laundry list of MOSs, and for those that don't know, MOS is military occupational specialty. It's basically your job. Um, mm-hmm. Boot camp is kind of like high school. 
where you get roughed up and treated bad. And, you know, then you find a good group of guys and, you know, there's like a scene called the senior drill instructor. And he's the one that, you know, he's like the house dad and, you know, all the, <laughs> the other drill instructors are the pesky jocks yep. that just yep. beat the, the shit heavy. out of you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The heavy and the light. Um, mm-hmm. but, but then you go to, uh, MCT training, which is where you, all Marines are riflemen, all like, that's yes. If, if, if you want to know one thing about a Marine, like we know, well, most of us know how to shoot. Um, yeah. And then you just basically yeah. just play infantrymen for three weeks and then you go, yep. to, then you go to yep. college quote unquote, and that's your MOS school. And then once you do that, then you get out to the real world called the fleet. And that's, uh, you know, Camp Lejeune, uh, 29 Palms, San Diego. I mean, you know, insert Marine yep. Corps base here. Uh, but you're telling me that it was an actual thing, guitar player. Yeah, I think guitarist was guitarist. The, everybody was. I think it was like band member slash guitarist <laughs> was the original MOS. <laughs> I think they changed just changed it to everyone was considered musician by the time I got out. But yeah, I mean, you had to audition for it. It was a whole process, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the the recruiter had to find the guy who goes around and auditions everybody and. I had to wait till he was coming up through the Northeast to come to my high school. And I sat there in the chorus room and had to play a bunch of stuff for him. And no way. He said, yeah, you're, you're, you're good. Let's do it. So, yeah. He's like, ASVAB score be damned. He knows how to riff. Actually, your, your ASVAB score had to be higher to be in the band, believe it or not. I would, as long as it's over 50, I'm good. You know, like I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, people are like, yeah, yeah, man. Scored a 47. Like, whoo, you a cook. Well, but uh no offense <laughs> yeah, to the, no yeah, offense to the cooks tea. out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So you so I guess help me bridge this gap. If if you're a guitarist in the Marine Corps, how did you go overseas? Um cuz I was there, I was a tank mechanic, so we were like right there. We actually God, mm-hmm. man, the night that it happened, the night that uh Bush was like go we had to go. Yep. So Iraq and Kuwait are, are basically side by side with a, with a sand berm and the engineers yep. blew a hole out and we're all sitting there and not every truck has NVGs, uh, night vision goggles, and not every truck has a radio. So it's just like, follow the leader. And we did this like Caterpillar all the way up and down like two, three times. Yep. And then somebody's like, it's right fucking there. And like talking about the hole in the berm and we went way <laughs> right and way anyway. So how, how did you, how did you get over there? What did you do? Well, I mean, it's, you know, every Marine, a rifleman, yeah. obviously, as we've stated. So the band's job during a time of war is actually headquarters security. So oh, the no air shit. wing obviously being an important, yeah. So, you know, the air wing being an important part of, you know, the initial strikes while we were over in Kuwait at Al Jabber. Guarding F-18s, stealth bombers, the whole nine. What? Uh, we actually got linked up with Air Force security forces because it was technically an Air Force base we were on. Yep. Left from the first desert storm. Um, and it was it was a scene because, I mean, there were, you know, the, the, the has shelters were all blowing out from the war. You know, there's <laughs> tanks still all over the road, burnout and everything. And if anybody ever wants to understand this, I think one of the best shows to watch is Generation Kill. Oh, I, yes. I think they nailed... They nailed what it really was more than any other, you know, war show you might see out there. Man, I'm gonna have to go so, revisit yeah, so that we one. Were, oh, it's a great one. HBO Max. That's where it's at. So yeah, we were we were security. 
for headquarters division. So that's how, you know, we got over out there. And uh, it's interesting because after, you know, the initial invasion and everything kind of had that little lull that calmed down before it got much worse later on in the year. Yeah. um, They they wanted to shift us back to being morale boosters, you know, which is kind of what the the job is supposed to be anyway. So we went up to Babylon, which was Saddam's palace and uh, actually played a show. So. Yeah, so we rocked Babylon. I mean, not many people can say they've played Babylon, but I can. So that's the title of that. There it is. I always try to find yep. the title in the conversation. I rocked Babylon with Affiant Records. That's it. That's right. right. There. Yeah, exactly, dude. So, yeah. I remember. I remember going. They were like, "We're taking a field trip," and we we're like, "Where are we going?" Like, "We're going to Babylon." I was like, "Fuck, we're going to Babylon." All right. And so we're in this. We're in the seven tons and the Humvees and the the Hetvies, and we're like weaving through town and i remember this girl girl and boy from like a third story tossed down the lid to mm-hmm. one of the seven tons i don't know where they got it but they were but basically it it was this thing like where if they turned over stuff that belonged to the government or the military i, I guess they they got stuff like i have no clue but i just saw this seven ton well, that was after lid. we dropped all those uh we did the psyops and dropped all those little pamphlets in the oh, days before yeah. telling them to, you know, get running and Leave. don't fight and everything. Yeah. I remember they dropped when we, when we dropped uh, the pamphlets in Fallujah, that was, uh, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never seen mass exodus on highway one, Oof. Yep. but, uh, but yeah, we went to Babylon and, I remember there was this kid out there and he's like, Mr. Mr. Pepsi, Pepsi. And this security guard just like butt stroked the entire like cooler that he had. And instead of this is what really kind of made me think for a little bit, uh, like one of those moments of clarity, like, what the fuck am I doing here? Um, Yeah. Butt stroked this cooler, the styrofoam cooler. This kid's trying to sell these Pepsis for a dollar. And and instead of all of the adults helping him gather his stuff. They just went and snatched it. They were like, nope. Mm-hmm. But that was before we got in. But then we got to go inside and see the lion's den where, uh, uh, oh, Lord, who who fought the king? Uh, David? Anyway. Yeah, yeah there's I, I think all was, the, the whole Nebuchadnezzar world. Yeah. Did you have the history tour oh, with, with the guy? Everything. Dude, we yep. went. I'm telling you, it was, a, it was a field trip in the middle of a, of a war. And it was so. It, it really was. Like, what? what are we okay i guess we're going to babylon yep oh so oh, yeah yeah we were sitting there and yeah, i guess they had like a kind of a morale barbecue and it's right on the tigris of the euphrates i can't remember which one but it, there was like a boat out there with like two guys and a little girl and this little girl had like a stuffed animal and wanted to give it to us and started like coming at any rate like fast company just freaked out on them and was like get the hell out of here and, you know, i mean that was like it was a scene for sure. And everything, you know, was destroyed basically. So I, I go exploring through piles of rubble. Now, I, you know, you talk about something maybe I shouldn't have done. I, I had a tendency to go explore destroyed things. And I thought, you know, this still could be, you know, wired for something. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have <laughs> oh, done that now that I'm older and I look <laughs> back, you know, at, at the IED situation and stuff. Just, so, yeah, man, looking back on that time, I mean, it was fast and loose we actually got we actually got put in the record books for fastest fastest inland invasion to i I guess from when we started to when i guess the mission was done we had gone the Mm -hmm. furthest 
and the fastest. Like we were, I was on the logistics yep. train. And so like we were a mile, maybe a mile or two at best away from the front lines. And it was, dude, it was a slinky effect. Like run, like God, like running in a squad. I mean, it was oh, just, God, that's horrible. It was just this, we would catch up to them and then we'd wait for the refuel and everything. And then by the time we got our shit, they were gone and blowing some other stuff up. Yep. I'm just like, we're never going to catch up guys. So, but man, that's cool. What? Oh, I got to ask what, what song did, what did you guys play? Uh, we did a lot of the standard Marine Corps hymn stuff. Um, uh, not just the hymn, but like boo. a lot of the... Uh, it's not a morale booster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. They, they were doing the... They did a lot of the, the typical marches and things like that. I mean, we were working on very few instruments too and no electricity. So, but um, yeah. So, you know, we, we always had this thing that us who, who played electric guitar, electric bass and drums, we would do the Iojima reenactment oh so we were running out on stage doing that you know planting the flag if you will so yeah i mean it's you know is that and then yeah i remember the night before it actually started like before my shift i think started at midnight we were doing 12 hour shifts on the airstrip you know they had a talent show at the base so i I remember i I found some guy he was an intel and he said he was a singer and stuff so you know we kind of jammed a little bit but uh, we played Kryptonite by Three Doors Down in the town oh, like, yeah. the night before the war started. I'm so, sure yeah, everybody we, was pumped for that. Yep, we rocked that and then watched the F-18s take off northward. <laughs> and it was on from there. Oh, and by the man. next day, you know, the, the, the scuds were incoming. The sirens were going off. Everyone's falling out of the back of, of the trucks trying to get their NBC gear on, diving in bunkers. Oh. You know, that was kind of a fun month of that. That was, that was one of the living in the mop suits that that's it. Mop, mop level four. I'm laying on a cot Yep. and my Lieutenant comes over and he's like rail mop level four, let's go. And I'm looking up and I just see one of the scud missiles flying through the sky. And I'm like, wait, is is that ours or is that theirs? They're like, Oh no, that's ours. But we're just preparing for theirs. Waiting for that Patriot to fire off. Yeah. Shoot it down. God, mop Mm -hmm. suit level four. I do not want to do that again. But anyway, nope. sorry, we've kind of gone off topic here, but man, that's cool, dude. That's, that's, that's really rad. I'm, I mean, the crazy yeah. thing that, you know, the one thing that always rings true is the Marine Corps is like the coolest, most secret brotherhood out there, even though, absolutely, even though we are the smallest branch out of all five, mm-hmm. six, six, five, um, well, Space Force, yeah, I don't know what we count. Yeah, that. I'm, I'm not, not sure if we're counting The Coast them Guard's yet. like Homeland Security now, so <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure who's where. But man, it's like every everywhere you go, that I'm telling you, you're like, you won't know. Because I don't really advertise myself as, you know, like this, uh, I'm not rocking the high and tight and, you know, yeah, all exactly. that jazz. So when people find out that I used to, the, that I was a Marine, they're like, damn, okay, yeah. And they're like, prove it. And then I'd actually have a tattoo. I've got a lower, I've got a tramp stamp, but I call it a lower back tat. And it literally says U S Marine. And, uh, the initial reason for me getting it, uh, I won't mention cause it's just way too fucking embarrassing, but it has <laughs> kind of changed over time to now. It's like, it's all behind me, you know, and uncle mm-hmm. Sam can kiss my ass or, you know, whatever, but yep. But yeah, yeah man, we're exactly, we're out there and you know, We'll help you out if you need it. But uh yep. but man, William, I've had a great time, dude. I've I've learned so much. Yeah, me too. Uh I actually have some follow-up questions that I'll just email you. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Plus, I've got 
four girls out for, I got my, my daughter's having a, a sleepover and I was like, do not come. Um, I was like, do not come in this door. Do not. Yep. And of course what she did, I don't know if you noticed, saw me earlier. I was like waving her away. Like this, I asked you one question, one thing to do. Don't open the door. But, um, oh, man. but no, man, I, uh, I really had a good time and, and I definitely think there's a lot of value that you've, that you've shared. Uh, I've, I've got, you know, ton of, ton of friends down here that are just in some really phenomenal bands. They put in the work, they do the majority. I mean, everybody has a job in the band, yep. you know, to include their job outside of the band, sometimes two jobs. So I'll, that's, I'll, that's super important because when only one person does it, you know, you, you can burn out really fast trying to be in this industry. So if you have five people to do it and, you know, if, if you want to talk, you know, about things for upcoming musicians, another piece of advice, learn skills. You know, if someone in the band is a videographer, man, you could save so much on doing music videos. If one knows graphic design, boom, your merch designs are, are already done. Your album art could be done. I mean, that's just, you know, having everybody having a different skill. It's almost like a squad in the Marines and you know, everybody had a different job. Oh, everybody yeah. had a certain weapon and what they were supposed to do. If you can apply that theory to a band, you're going to be in good shape going forward. Well, cool, man. Cool. I definitely, that is, that is a good reference. I'm going to start up telling my like, just be a Marine Corps squad. Just, just do that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, do you have any, uh, yep. shout outs or any mentions that you want to get out of the way before we go? Uh, one thing I'll say, if anyone's interested in a little bit of sa- uh, shameless self-promotion here, uh, as far as learning, you know, the music industry, um, and a great primer for it is a book called the music agenda, best practices for your music career. Uh, I co-wrote that with a guy named Chris Bianchi and uh, Kate wrote some bonus materials to it uh, for bands. It is on Amazon. We have an audiobook version. You can get the print version of it. And I do believe there's also the Kindle version. So um, pick that up. That'd be a good one. Uh, as far as, you know, socials, feel free to follow me um, at William J. Metzger, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-J-M-E-T-Z-G-E-R. Uh, mostly Facebook and Insta for me. And Affiant Records everywhere we are at Affiant Records. I do apologize. I called it Affiant. I think when I did the intro, you know, honestly, I, I'll 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 say something about that. Most <laughs> people do, and I actually like the way that sounds better, to be honest with you. But I just don't want other opposing counsel and attorneys thinking <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce legal terms. <laughs> yeah. So I have to say, <laughs> no, that's I will I will I will correct the record, uh, good sir. <laughs> But anyway, man, thank you very much. Um, I would love to stay in touch with you just, uh, sure, that absolutely. way I can help promote, promote some of your bands. Um, if you're ever looking for bands, I've got a whole catalog. Absolutely, always. Um, I just don't want to flood your inbox with demos. Hey, I mean, if anybody wants to send anything info at affiantrecords.com, that's, that's where we get our submissions sent to. That's affiant, not affiant guys. Yep. Affiant. <laughs> but I, and, and the, oh, and last thing, I really do think that that, the the fact that it does have a meaning to it it's just not you know words out of the dictionary you're like that sounds cool together i, I really i really think there's value in that um especially when you get to kind of tell the story about it um but yeah Absolutely. man dude thank you very much i had a great time thank you. and i will Me i will uh, let you know whenever this wraps up and i don't venture to dallas too much just because it's so flipping fo- it's not flipping far away it's like three and a half hours but if I ever do get a chance to come up there, uh, I'll shoot Absolutely. you a message. I'd love to love to sit down and just chat. Yeah, that'd be great. Same when, when I'm down in the Austin area for sure. Oh, and tell Kate. God, we didn't even we didn't mention her. My lord. 
uh, <laughs> tell her thank you for being very, I mean, super responsive. All the email traffic that, that she um, did back and forth was just more info than I knew what to do with. And But it was great because it was like, that's all the stuff that I need when trying to conduct an interview. Yeah. Um, setting setting the band up for success from from the first email. So just let her know that that I greatly appreciate her efforts and everything. Will do for sure. Super good yeah. on correspondence and, and and responding and yeah. getting the guys in line. So hey, that's what we pride ourselves on. Well, cool, man. Well, thank you very much, and take care. And I'll uh, hit you up whenever it's ready. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. Bye, bud. Bye. Run away, you throw the punches at my face.